0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. Twenty-one plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C. Hey
1: everybody! Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I, I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. No URI right again. I can't say I really blame Uri because we are recording directly after the Lakers game on Sunday night. Actually, now it's Monday morning at 12.02. two. Don't blame him for wanting to get some sleep. We decide that we're not going to write write quite yet, and that's okay because we are going to end up talking about this game, and we're not going to be able to be on YouTube because of that. But that's okay. We're still on Spotify and all of our other streaming uh, apps. So, Chris, let's talk about this. This um, This Lakers game. Yeah, let's do it. Um,
2: Final score was 113-112 Philadelphia on the road. Second night of a back-to-back. You know, the Sixers have a very unique ability to make things as stressful as possible. They're really good at it. Um, This is yet another example of Joel and James basically being transcendentally awesome offensive players. And then the rest of the rotation, minus Tobias, who was also really good tonight, being pretty mediocre at best. Um, yeah, you know, the defense was problematic quite frequently. I'm not sure I agreed with their uh, strategy for guarding Westbrook at certain points in the game, but they they won, which is all that really matters in the grand scheme of things, I guess, 35 points and 11 rebounds for Joel, 24, 7 boards, 13 dimes for James Harden, 15 on 7 of 13 shooting Lucas for Tobias Harris. I, I'll i ask for your takeaways, but I will note the big storyline, I guess, quote unquote, from this game is the fact that Tyrese Maxey was moved to the bench um, in favor of the Anthony Melton. So Harden, Melton, Embiid, Harris, and everyone's favorite PJ Tucker was the starting five with Maxi coming off the bench. Maxi still played 33 minutes. That's 12 more than Melton. But what did you make of that? And what were your other takeaways from this game?
1: Okay. So first off, I think Maxi played, I mean, defensively not great, but like offensively 16 points on 13 shots, not bad coming off the bench. Maybe this is a permanent role. Maybe it's not. I honestly don't know. I think Doc Rivers is experimenting, which is something not in the line of Doc Rivers' like personality. So I, I give him props for actually trying this. Um, is this the right move? I'm honestly not sure. That's why you have to experiment with it. Because the last game against the Utah Jazz, which we'll talk about, Maxi started. Um, granted, that was because Tobias Harris was out. I mean, who knows? I don't. I don't know if this is the right move, Chris. But it's an interesting move. Um, clearly, the Sixers perimeter defense could not survive with both Harden and, and uh, Maxi. Uh, you know, manning it with Tucker being kind of not the same guy he used to be. We saw that with LeBron James scoring thirty five points in this game. Um, so I don't. I don't know if this is the right move. It's an interesting move. I'm willing to experiment with it a little bit more before I make a strong decision, but in the long run this could be the right move in terms of having Maxi come off the bench. At least I now not to say that this should be a permanent move in like long-term sense, but in this year and based off of how the Sixers are playing in his defense Like, he has to improve defensively in order for him to be a starter, I think, with James Harden. Just because James Harden's so bad defensively that you have to have another stable defender next to him. And Maxie's not that right now. And I think he can be. He has the tools to be. Um, So, I I don't know if this is the right move. You know, it was another Joel Embiid, you know, monster game. Harden played well. Niang kind of did his thing for the most part five assists that was actually kind of underrated from him. Uh, um, So yeah, no, I mean, the Sixers are going to get, you're going to win most regular season games if James Harden and Joel Embiid go for, you know, one of them goes for 30 plus and the other one goes for 20 plus you're going to win most regular season games. Um was this a pretty one? No, Lakers have have been playing better as of late, but I think this should have not have been as close as it was.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we've said that about a lot of Sixers wins this season and every season ever. Um, they, they don't always make it, they make it harder on themselves than it should be sometimes. Um, I, I like how you phrased your your Maxi take. Or it's definitely interesting. Doc is good at making interesting decisions, if not always good decisions. Um, yeah, I I'm not convinced it's the quote unquote right move. We'll see if it sticks again. Like you said, there's no guarantee that Maxi ever comes off the bench again. This could be a one and done thing. There's a reason, I think, that the debate has been Melton versus Tucker and not Melton versus Maxi because when he's healthy, Maxi is a pretty special offensive talent. And I think universally would be, you know, everyone would agree that he's the third best player on this team. He hasn't quite been at his normal level since coming back from injury. But one has to assume that's just a matter of time that he'll get back there eventually. Um so, yeah, I mean, like, P.J., this this is one of those matchups where you want P.J. out there, theoretically, to guard LeBron, but there are only two players for Philly that had a negative plus-minus. It was Montrez, who was minus 6 in 12 minutes, and then P.J. who was minus 16 in a 24, 24 minutes and a one-point win. Not mm-hmm. ideal. Tucker's was really bad in this game. It was not a good P.J. Tucker game. Um he you
1: know. he looked like he I, I, he he looked like look. I don't mean to cut you off here, but I gotta say this: for a guy that we paid thirty thousand dollars for, plus giving up a second round pick for, it, it feels like more emotion versus logic win out this one. And maybe maybe he pays off in the playoffs. I don't know, but right now Tucker looks bad. And it's not just this game, but this game really accented it. I mean, yeah. I He's mean, just late on, on closeouts, not always making the best decision. It's one thing to be physically unable to perform, but he just had mental lapses this game too, which was a big issue.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, like, you you want a GM who's willing to take risks. I'm a fan that Philly was willing to spend big to try to field the contender, and, like, there was always... You know, the risk, P.J.'s 38 years old, it was always going to carry some level of downside risk. It, it's certainly not ideal. Um, you know, if Philly didn't give him that contract. Someone else probably would have. It's not like they were, you know, bidding against no one. He was a pretty hot commodity, and I think it was a reasonable move at the time. And oh. sometimes reasonable moves don't pan out. Things happen. And I don't think it's necessarily a poor reflection on Daryl as GM or anything, but... You take a risk sometimes, and it doesn't always pan out. Um, you know, a well, lot of talk about trading. You know, we'll talk about the recent rumors related to Furkan and Springer. Tobias has been in trade rumors all season, off and on. Thiebel, I'd be very tempted to see if anyone out there is willing to take on PJ's. Just eat that contract. I'd at least look into it. But, um, yeah. As for this game, I I just got to say. James Harden is just a sick player. I I love watching him play. Um, You know, listeners of this podcast will know that I've been banging the James Harden drum for quite a long time. Well, before he was with the Sixers, I mean, even now in his like old man stage, where he's clearly not the James we used to see in Houston. But he's just such a cool and interesting player to watch. Not many guys can manipulate the game with pace and dribbles like like he can i those are the guys i'm just kind of pre you know i I just like players in that mold shea has a little bit of it in okc guys like that um really enjoyed watching James play this was a great game for him on the second night of a back-to-back with how many minutes he's been playing i think that's a pretty positive sign that he had as much juice as he did once again carried the sixers with some big shots in the fourth quarter the Embiid, thirty-five points, eleven boards, twelve of twenty-one from the field, out on the line twelve times. Not much more you can say about that guy. Just a machine at this point. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a the Lakers, like you said, have been playing better lately. It's a good, if not great, win given the circumstances that it's on the second out of a back-to-back. The defensive effort has to improve. You know, regardless, it was not good in Utah the other night either. And that was the first night of a back-to-back. So it's not not a back-to-back issue uh, defensively. But Sixers' offense is really good. There aren't a lot of concerns on that side of the ball. They just got to learn how to defend on a consistent
1: basis now. Um, so, yeah. So, I do want to note something here. Where You brought up the moves that Maury made this past summer. Looking in hindsight now, you could say – the only good move that Maury made was, I mean, besides the re-signing of James Harden, but bringing in new players wise, Melton was the only good one because house is out of the rotation. Now and we lost the first round pick for him. I mean, second round pick for him. And then we, we both, you know, have lamented about Tucker and possibly replacing, you know, using Melton re- to replace him and using a three guard lineup. Uh, that being said, no, I, I think you're on point with the rest of the team Um you know, Joel's going to be Joel. He, he's a top five MVP candidate. I, I think you know you can make the real argument if Nikola Jokic wasn't about the average triple double, he'd probably be. You know, uh, there'd be a strong case for him to be number one in the in his, you know standings for MVP. But that that being people said, are going
2: to be so pissed when he wins three in a row. Uh, you know what? People are not going to react.
1: Right it's sure. the, you, know, you know, the thing is, though, I will say yeah. this. Out of all the seasons, this season feels like the most deserving one. And I know, like, I'm going to get... I feel
2: st- like this is the year where he is the stiffest competition, just because of how many guys are being...
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But I'm saying in terms of, like, the stats and how he's, like, impacting... Like, Chris, have you ever heard of a center... Averaging a triple double, like I, I, I can't even. Um, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I would say. And, look, and, and like, I feel like any other season, this would be Joel's year to get it. But anyway, I've been saying that for three years, but unfortunately,
2: Jokic is just really good. It's unfortunate overlap in in career spans because Joel should have like two or three, but.
1: Well, okay. I will I say that first year, sure, the first year he only didn't get it because he didn't play. Like he missed just enough games for the voters not to feel good about giving him one. Yeah, but that that I will contend that until the day I die. That being said, let's transition over to the Utah game now. Let's do it. And I, I'm sure Uriah will put in the whoosh and when he had it. That being said. James Harden,
2: really good at basketball.
1: Yes, yes. The Sixers won 118 to 117 without a lower remarketing. Without lower remarketing, the Jazz still put up a pretty good fight. Uh, the You know, Jordan Clarkson went off for 38 points. And uh, Taylor and Horton Tucker came out of nowhere with 20 points for the Jazz. For the Sixers, James Harden had 31 points, 6 rebounds, 11 assists. Maxie had 21 points. Didn't shoot the ball that efficiently, though. Joel Embiid had 30 points, seven rebounds, two blocks. Chris, what are your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, um, I remember when Taylor and Horton tucker was untradeable. Um, that, so, I
1: remember that, too. Uh,
2: this is, again, a very classic Sixers closer than it should have been win. Uh, they were up by 17 at the end of the first quarter. Utah missing its best player so naturally they just choose not to play defense for the next three quarters and win by one point on a Joel game winner in, in the final seconds uh Utah took like its first lead with 30 seconds left like this this was a game that Philly had control of and should have maintained control of James Harden had an absurd stretch of shot making in that fourth quarter that kept Philly afloat they do not win this game without James putting together a superstar performance. Obviously thirty points from Joel. That's just what he does at this point.
1: Um well, the game winner. Dirk. I, I do want to point out Joel had the game winner. Uh, Dirk one legged fadeaway after a hard in a you know feed off of a pick and roll. Yeah. Classic stuff. Um mm-hmm.
2: Good shake Milton game. He had 17 on 12 shots off the bench in 29 minutes. Um, Yeah, I I mean, look, shouts to Jordan Clarkson, who had a monster game for Utah. He's had a monster season overall. 38 points, 9 boards, 5 dimes for him. He played great. The Jazz are... Not winning as many games as they were early in the season, but they're still fourteen and eight at home on the year, and that's a very connected and fun offensive team. They're capable of putting up a good fight, even without marketing. But just really not a good win, you know. Compared, like like all, everyone's a good win, so to speak. But the Sixers should have not been in the situation that they were in down the stretch. Not the first time we've had this kind of conversation this season, even with the Lakers game. It's like they they just make things harder than they need to be. The defense, you keep talking about how Joel is anchoring a top five defense. And it's like, how is that the case? Because it feels like the Sixers don't play any defense every night. Some of that's on Joel, who's not having his best defensive season individually. Some of that. Is on James and Tyrese and the perimeter guys, PJ struggling with certain matchups, Tobias struggling with certain matchups. But, yeah, I mean, Philly just let a 20-point lead melt away for two quarters, and that's the kind of thing they're very prone to doing, which isn't great. But they got the win. They've won two in a row on a back-to-back on the road, which is hard to do in the West, which is even harder for an Eastern Conference team. So on the surface, that's a really good two win stretch, but it it should have felt a little bit better than it did, probably.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I will I, I do want to give some props to the Jazz though, because underrated performance of the game was Walker Kessler, rookie center. 15 points, uh, 12 rebounds, two blocks. There were times where he was just dominating Joel and beat on the glass. Um He's a bright spot of their future. He is so um, good, guys.
2: I I am a budding Walker Kessler stand. Your, the next three years of this podcast. Oh dear lord! To be me talking about Walker Kessler.
0: It's gonna can be we great. not?
2: He Chris, is the you, heir apparent to Rudy Gobert, as far as ah, who I talk about most. That's great. Ah,
1: it's gonna ah, be wonderful. And, He's so good. And here I thought we could go without an a Rudy elite Gobert.
2: jazz rim protector He doesn't love it.
1: Apparently. Me because I'm having PDSD flashbacks of our previous conversations. Um, (laughs) 15 and 12,
2: two blocks, perfect from the field. That's a very Colbert esque stat line
1: from my guy, Walker Kessler. Well, I I think they're completely different (laughs) players, but okay. That being said, uh, I will say this. Are they? I I think there are, I think Kessler has a higher ceiling on offense. That being said, I still think the Jazz need to blow it up. Not completely. I don't think that you need to go on a full-on blow up. Like you don't have to trade all your veterans. Like I would keep Lowry marketing. And you could counter
2: counterpoint. What okay. what do we think Lowry's trade value is right now?
1: Ooh, at least one to two first round picks. If it's two first round picks, they're they're protected or one unprotected first. And probably one, at least one young prospect plus salary filler. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, have, I I feel like there are a lot of teams who would be very interested in paying a high price for Lowry right now. And Utah should want to lose a lot of games between now and the draft. I Lowry's only twenty five, so I'm not saying they should trade him, but it yeah. would be very interesting if they wanted to do the proper rebuild thing and it's an option it wouldn't be completely
1: out of the cards if i was danny age look if if i'm if i'm utah the only guys that i'm hearing for guys over 30 so like conley and clarkson i'm open to trading them yes i know clarkson is like that guy in in utah but like at the same time he's his contract's ending this after this season or he has a player option one of the two and he's for yeah. thirty. Like, the, like he's not part of their long term future. I, I would not. I, I wouldn't pay for him. I would let him. I, I would trade him. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't disagree. Um, you could probably get if if I probably you could probably get a first round pick for Clarkson, maybe in like <laughs> a two second rounders for uh, Conley plus young player. I would think that. I think that that would. And I would probably be open to trading Beasley too. Um, I'd, I'll tell you what, I would hold on to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's good. I would not trade him. Sorry to find yeah. quality. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, this is, like Vando has been probably the most talked about in trade rumors lately. Um, it seems like a John Collins trade is very much in the cards for Utah. Yeah. Which would be interesting. I, I'm not, I, it feels like. Collins' value is way too low, and that whoever trades for him is going to be, you know, could be um, pulling off quite the heist. But I'm, I mean, Vando is really good, so I'm not sure I'd trade Vanderbilt.
0: But I got it. if it's John
2: I, Collins and a first-round pick for Vando, I apologize to Vando. I'm probably doing that deal because oh, I think absolutely. Collins is really good.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah. And I'll say this: if if I'm Phoenix, I'm packaging dario Saric, jay crowder and a first round pick for john collins easily
2: yeah i I mean it's it has been a rough year for john collins i'm well aware as a a fantasy owner but
1: (laughs) um
2: i I think we're forgetting about how good that guy is and he's Like the Hawks have just not been an ideal setup for him this season. A lot has gone wrong in Atlanta that's outside of his control. They've been adjusting to new players, mainly DeJounte. Like
0: John John is a twenty
2: and ten guy in the right situation on good efficiency. He's been getting better on defense the past couple of years. He's a really good player. So I'd be willing to make that move if I was Phoenix. Phoenix below five hundred, like Phoenix needs to get the shit back on track. That's the kind of move that can help you do
1: that. Well, while we're talking about Phoenix, and I we didn't really say that we were going to bring this up prior to the podcast, but I'm going to bring it up here. Would you do BJ Tucker and like a, a second round pick for uh, Jay Crowder?
2: Yeah, especially what a, with the contract difference. Absolutely.
1: I mean, Jay Crowder is going to be a free agent this summer. Jay, uh, Tucker. Yeah. I, For years,
2: absolutely, Um, I'd I'd give up a couple second round picks to make that happen. And even like I
1: and look and look, Phoenix gets the type of player that they want to return in a three and D forward. We get Jay Crowder, who's similar player, same locker room type of guy. I, I I think you do it. I I think if Phoenix, I do.
2: I'm not sure if Phoenix does it though because I, I do think we're getting to the point where teams are going to view that PJ contract as kind of a. You know, sunk cost thing, not as bad as Tobias was at his peak, maybe, but like, I don't know if teams want to touch that with two years and 20 million left on it after this when he's 38 years old and playing as poorly as he is right now.
1: Well, uh, and I'll also say this um, interesting. I I was listening to a low post podcast with Zach Lowe, and he had uh, Bill Simmons on as a guest, and they were, you know, they were just suggesting hypothetical trades. This is just a suggestion. They were not reporting it, but, um, they were saying if the Clippers want to start blowing things up, they could call Philly about Paul George and we would have to send like Tobias Harrison, Tyrese Maxey. Chris, if you're the Sixers, do you entertain that? Heck yeah. It's Paul George. Of course I do. But he's so injured as of late, man. I don't
2: know. I But you have Joel, James, and PG going into the
1: playoffs. I I think you kind of have to entertain it at least. Can PG and can the three of them stay healthy? I don't know,
2: but if one of them gets hurt, it's nice to have Paul George as a backup to step in. Like, if, if you have Joel and Paul George and James is hurt, you can still go pretty far, like, It's good to have more than one, you know, it's good to have options in case things do go south.
1: Um, I mean, but, like, isn't Tyrese that option
2: already And the future? Tyrese is great, and he is the future, but Philly's title window right now, I think, is tied to Joel and James. James is getting older. Tyrese is never going to be as good as Paul George's right now, probably, and... I don't know, man. I don't know if we can
1: say that. I mean, that's what they I mean, say. He's a top fifteen,
2: top ten, top fifteen player. I I don't know if Tyrese is gonna get to get
1: that level when he's healthy. I don't. I don't know, Chris. I mean, it's a, it's a. I think you definitely think about it, but I don't know if I make that trade. I
2: yeah. I I understand the hesitation, but you definitely consider it. I don't think it's you laugh them off the phone or anything. Because as much as we all love Tyrese, and Tobias has been awesome this year too. Paul George is super good and also maybe the perfect number three for a Joel and James led team like that. That's a really awesome setup. And I think it would make Philly potentially favorites in the East. So
1: I, I'll say this. I would, cons- if we don't make it in the playoffs, I would consider that this off season, Cause I don't think the Clippers are going to make that type of trade. Well, that's the thing.
2: PG yeah. and James, they are getting older. there's no, James might go to Houston in the offseason. Like, I don't know if you really want to wait on it. As
1: I, I mean, look, the thing is, is, like, if you make that trade at the trade deadline, are they going to have enough time to get the chemistry good enough? I, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. But I mean, I mean,
2: maybe, maybe not. But every year we I feel like we've been like, you know, give it another year, see if it works. Like sometimes you just got to keep making the, the jump, taking that leap of faith in it. You know, know. it not for injuries, Philly might have made it to the conference finals, if not finals last year. Like, there have been, you know, they have the juice. They have the talent and the tools to get there. As much as we dislike Doc, as much as we, you know, lampoon this team for being as annoying as they are, like, they have the talent. And Paul George is awesome. So, I would consider it.
1: Sure. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the other sixes rumor. Of course, we're t- go ahead and enter. you. You mentioned it earlier, right, Chris?
2: Yeah, let's do it. So, the report from Jake Fisher at Yahoo Sports is basically that Philly is going to be looking to shed salary at the trade deadline if they're not able to find a reasonable avenue to improving the roster. And it seems like the two most likely names to be shed in that scenario are Furkan Korkmaz, who has about two years and $10 million left on his contract, and Jaden Springer, who is still just in the second year of his rookie contract with his team. Uh, you know, Lucas, for me, I don't really love hearing that Philly's trying to duck the tax while they're trying to win a championship, and every team around them in the East seems to be like shelling out the big bucks to get better.
1: It's not mm-hmm. ideal.
2: It's something the Sixers have done quite a lot in the past. Maury, in you know, that kind of stopped for a second there with Daryl. It, it would probably not be a Maury instigated move, though, if they tried to dump
1: oh, it no, that we, we all know. We know, yeah. all know it was Josh Harris.
2: That's the kind of thing that comes down from ownership, you know? So it wouldn't be like Maury is the one driving the boat there. But yeah, I mean, look. Is trading Furcon for Cap Space gonna tank the Sixers title chances? No. Korkmoz no. isn't playing. I it would break my heart to see Jaden Springer like dumped into space in OKC, but he'd also probably play in OKC. So maybe it wouldn't break my heart. Um so, so yeah, I, I mean it's not the end of the world. I don't wanna like sit here and panic about the idea of trading Furcon for Cap Space, but it is kind of like I'd rather them swing big than just, like, go quietly and trade a for, for cash. I, I'd rather them trying to, like, get better and pay a couple extra thousand million dollars or whatever in tax because Josh Harris and company are billionaires and they can afford it, and the Sixers are trying to win the championship, and they clearly have ground to make up. Like, try to get better. And if you can't and you want to dump... Jaden springer to okc whatever but like try to get better first is my wish at least
1: yeah no 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 it makes sense look with the combined salary Jaden springer and cork moss you got about seven and a half million dollars to work with in a trade that can get you a quality rotation player
2: like tobias and furcon that's 15 million right now that that's or not tobias pj Uh Yeah, KJ yeah. And Bergen, that's fifteen million right there. That's Jordan Clarkson. Um I mean I wouldn't want Jordan Clarkson, but yeah, no, no.
1: I get I get what look, you're saying. He's,
2: he's better than both those guys right now. Yeah,
1: um but, but you, you don't have the guard depth. You you have too much guard
2: depth already, so can you ever have too much guard depth? It's a new it's twenty twenty three, Lucas. Think outside the box, man. Right?
1: I mean, I would rather have another big wing that can play defense and you know strike the floor personal or sure. I don't disagree, but or at least you know get rid of mantras
2: look furgon and some second round picks for Jake Crowder <laughs> that works I mean, probably. You,
1: um I mean you'd have to do like you could do three players for Jake Crowder probably with cork Ma, but yeah no or like Matisse Thibel and uh Cork Maz will get you pretty back-to-back. Um, but you know, I don't want to make your eye bad listening to this, uh, in suggesting that we trade, uh, Thibel. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you can if you want to. I'm not trying to make <laughs> like bad, but uh, if, for the right pieces,
2: yeah, the it's,
1: it, it's not. We're not doing a Cam Reddish for to buy a uh, Matisse Thibel trade.
2: No, but I would do a Cam Reddish for uh for question.
1: Yeah, I mean, the money's pretty close I there.
2: Clause, the, the Charlotte second round pick, which is basically a late first round pick. And yeah. I could get down with that. I wrote about it recently at the site for those who are interested. Like, I, I could get behind that.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely a move that's uh that's possible for sure. Um, But l- l- let's go ahead and go to our last bit here, Chris. And we're going to talk about the new uh, releasing of the All-Star um, results. So, as we talked about last podcast, we were recording the night before they released the new uh, voting res- results from the fans. And as Chris had somewhat anticipated, Jason Tatum has jumped a third ahead of Joel in the front court voting for the Eastern Conference. Uh, he leads Joel by a little less than 40,000 right now in terms of votes. So, Chris, uh, your thoughts on the change there? Yeah, it's not
2: shocking. It's not particularly egregious, as we talked about on the last podcast. All four have a very strong case. Like during it, Giannis, Tatum, and Embiid have all put up MVP kind of seasons. So, there's really no wrong answer. Personally, I would like Joel to start, and I think Joel is maybe on the higher end of the spectrum than Jason this year, but that's personal taste, and there are plenty of smart people who disagree with me. Tatum is awesome on both sides of the ball. Boston is the best team in the East. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's indefensible to have him start over Joel. Um, So, yeah, that's my take on the issue. I could just as easily flip back and forth now that... Philly fans are behind, and they feel the urge to vote more. We'll see what happens, but either way, there's a pretty decent chance Durant doesn't even play, and in that case, whoever is fourth is going to end up starting anyways. So
1: we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think yeah, I think Durant's probably not going to play if I had to guess, and you know, Giannis, Joel, and Tatum gets their shine. Uh, outside of that, the only major other change in the East front court was Julius Randle came into the tenth spot. I forgot who he kicked out of that tenth spot, but uh, you know you still have uh, Jimmy Butler, Pascal, Kyle Kuzma, Paolo Bancaro, Nick Claxton, Julius Randle, rounding out the top ten. Um, any thoughts in the East and who you would want to have um, be on the bench for the for the Eastern Conference All Stars?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, still obviously the loser of of the Joel Tatum uh, fiasco, and then probably Pascal, Jimmy, if we want to go to guards, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Trey Young, and maybe Garland. Like, that's, I think, the group we're looking at. Um, Julius Randle has made a really strong case, as has Jalen Brunson, and the Knicks have been good enough to justify it, but...
1: You know, I'm. I, th- I think the Knicks need one one All Star man. I think they deserve. Yeah, it.
0: you be-
2: could. I could get behind Julius making it over Garland or something of that nature. But, um, I I think Halliburton should start. He probably won't if Kyrie gets a spot because of the fan votes. Then Halliburton should be that guy off the bench. In that
1: uh, Halliburton is also be- injured. Now. We don't know how long he's going to be out. That is true though as well. So. We'll see how the injuries
2: shake out. Um, if there's like more than one injury, then the Knicks will definitely get at least one all-star. Um you can't like rule out DeMar DeRozan, even though the Bulls have been pretty not great this season. So there, there are a lot of candidates, but there's yeah. also still time for
1: things to change. So Yeah, let's go to the guards in the East. You got Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell still in the top two spots, James Harden's three. Brown's four, Trey Young's five, DeMar's six, LaMelo Ball seven, Tyrese is Tyrese Halliburton's eight. Derek Rose, honorary all-star all-time, number nine, and Darius Garland comes in at ten. <laughs> A love for Derek Rose. He's getting more votes than the starting point guard in New New York. And he's not even in the rotation right now. Emmanuel Quickly and Miles McBride, shout out to West Virginia, Miles McBride. Uh, have overtaken Rose's minutes in the rotation. So apparently just Yeah Derek Rose's you know fame from, you know, his MVP season still has him going. I'm kudos yeah, I
2: still be- don't even I don't even fully understand that. Like hasn't the like section of the NBA fan base that's like dutifully committed to Derek Rose kind of aged out of just spam
1: voting for the All Star team? I guess well, not but-
2: I, I guess say, like a bunch
1: of like, I was, yeah, I was in high school when that happened, and uh, I am not that old. So
2: I, I know I I didn't mean it like that, but mm-hmm. it I don't know why we're voting for Derek Rose still, but whatever, it doesn't matter. He's not gonna make the All Star team. Um, you know it was like Austin Reeves is ninth in the West. It's like, people do stupid stuff for interesting for big-name players in big markets. Not that Austin Reeves is the same deal as Derrick Rose, but it's the Knicks and the Lakers, that kind of stuff. It's just unavoidable. Mm. Same deal with Kyrie. He's there basically because he's Kyrie, and there's a large groundswell of support for him for pretty bad reasons lately, and there's nothing we can really do about that. Kyrie doesn't deserve to be an All-Star this year, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, That's what happens when you let the fans have a voice. Things like this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think, okay, so I think in terms of bench for the East, you're looking at probably Harden, Brown, uh, Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, big, you know, probably Joel, Butler, Siakam. I'd be okay with Boncaro, honestly, or Julius Randle. And then I think Brunson. Actually, no, I'm not going to put in Julius Randle. I think Brunson should get it. So let's look at the West real quick before we end things. Uh, Well, Jokic and Anthony Davis are still top three. Zion's fourth. Wiggins is five. Paul George is six. Markadon is seven. Draymond is eight. Kayvon Looney is nine. And Kawhi Leonard ten. I will say this. The Kings, uh, I mean... Deion yeah, Fox is 10th in guards, but like Sabonis is the best player on that team.
2: Yeah. What are Kings I, fans doing? Not, nah, it's not really their fault. But like, come on, guys. Let's at least get Domas, who should probably start into the top a, 10. Come on,
1: y'all. It should be the starting three for the Western front court should be LeBron, Jokic, and Sabonis. And yes. LeBron's more or less there just because of, you know, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, he's having a great season, but, like, you could make the real argument that Lowry, marketing, or even Zion, if healthy, should be playing over LeBron as, like, the, the fifth starter. But, uh, well, I don't know
2: about Lowry over LeBron, but I, uh, I will say I remember a couple, like, a few weeks ago when you are talking about how Fox was definitely the best Kings player.
1: No, look, I... I, I
2: feel pretty I, good I, about I, my I, Sabonis I, things.
1: Look, look I, I after that podcast, I I did some stat digging, and the, the <laughs> teams right. better, the teams better with Sabonis versus Fox by themselves. Yep. So mm-hmm. Sabonis, and honestly, Sabonis, I think is Six easily third the third best center in the NBA. Is easily the third best center. It used to be Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. neither of them have yeah. So is
2: Jokic,
1: it Sabonis, Sabonis, Bam.
2: Uh, yeah, I think you could argue for AD. He's, he's really a center. And then probably Sabonis and Bam
1: are the next tier. Can you really argue AD, though, with all the injuries, though? He's missed half the season. Well, AD
2: was objectively better when he was healthy this season. He just got hurt. Like, AD, when healthy and at his best, is better than Sabonis.
1: But is it a big margin, though? I don't think so.
2: No, Sabonis is awesome. Um, but yeah, I I agree. He's he's he should be starting in the West, and he's quite good. And like, did the Pacers quote unquote win the trade? Yes, but the Kings are a lot of fun this year, and Sabonis is playing.
1: Both teams as won-
2: well, if not better than Tyrese. Like, it's not like Sacramento got fleeced in some historic. No, this way.
1: is one of the rare exceptions where both teams won the trade.
2: Both teams won. Yeah, I mean, like we can revisit the argument seven years from now when Tyrese is still a star and Sabonis is retired. But you know, dude, Sabonis. I know it's an exaggeration. It's It's an exaggeration. But I I think Halliburton is going to age better, longer than Sabonis at the respective points in their careers. But right now, it's been a pretty decent swap for both teams, (laughs) I would say.
1: Well, look, I think Sacramento thinks is a win because you know they they have a real chance to get into the playoffs as long as they can stay healthy, uh, especially Sabonis. I think you can, but I, I I'll say this: I don't. I think Sabonis is going to age better than you think because Jokic is showing you don't need to be an athletic center to be able to stay on the floor as long as you can pass and score, which and rebound, which Sabonis does. Sabonis yeah, is the best I, passing big man in the league. I,
2: I do not think Sabonis is going to fall off a cliff anytime soon, but I I will say Halliburton is probably already maybe as good or better, and he's younger, and he's on more of an upward trajectory.
1: Well, Whereas I not,
2: think Sabonis uh, is kind of already in his prime, that kind of thing.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's fair. And I'll say this, like, finding a, like all-star level point guard is a lot harder than finding, like, in terms of grooming a, a, a starting center. And I'm not saying he's just a starting center. He's an all-star center. But, like, you get what I'm saying. Point guard is a harder position to yeah. n- nail down than center. Because you could have a starting center like, uh, you know, Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes, he's on the bench now for the Kings. He was a quality starting center last year. So, like, it's not like it's it's easier to find a starting center than it is to find a quality starting point guard. Um, That yeah. being said, let's go to the guards real quick. Steph Curry, Luca still in the top one, two. Ja, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Clay, Russ, Damian, Devin, Austin Reeves, as you said, and De'Aaron Fox. Now the guards in the East. You know, I, I, you could make the argument for me that Steph shouldn't be starting just because the game's played, and I, I would be okay with that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's still going to get the starting nod. Um, <clears throat> you got a bench of jaw Shea Gilgis. I think Damien deserves to be there and Devin. Yeah. Booker. And I think that's an, I think that's all the guards you get. Right. So then you gotta look the Western conference front court is pretty depleted. I'm not going to lie. Like there Wiggins has a legit argument. now. like Paul George misses a lot of games, Lowry market and, and Zion are the only two locks that I see in the front court and like the rest of them. I, I was listening to the podcast that I was told you, I was listening to, they were talking about how Aaron Gordon should be the other yeah. all yeah. Nuggets, And I mean, yeah. like honestly you could make the very
2: strong case.
1: Yeah. Especially in the week West off, like in terms of all star talent in the West, he has a legit chance because like you're thinking of guys like Jeremy Grant. I mean, and, that's yeah. second
2: best player on the best, best team this year so far, like that, is not nothing. He's been awesome on both sides of the ball. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, the return of guys like Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. have Really pushed him into the ideal role and he's playing really high level basketball. So
1: I I think there's a pretty strong case. And like, they haven't been playing up to their standards uh, consistently yet. So like, yes, they're probably better players in the grand scheme of things, but he's been more consistent all season long. And, yeah, he's like the ideal power forward to play next to Jokic. So
2: yeah, I will it's, say before the season, we all made our big predictions, and everyone laughed at me for saying Denver. I'm not saying it's a lock or anything. It's
1: definitely not a lock, but for, for I feel pretty for, good about it. I said, good. Gonna, I said Denver was to. I said Denver was going to get to the finals too. I just said the. I thing. said
2: they were going to win it though. I went. Yes. I went all the
1: way. Oh, we haven't even no. got there yet, so let's 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 hold her. But, like, um, I'm not doubting Denver in terms of, like, getting through the West. The West is wide open right now. I think Denver is. has the best shot to get through because the Warriors aren't going to repeat. I just don't see that happening unless they make a major move to upgrade their bench, which they can. They have the, you know, they can trade Wiseman for whatever. Yeah. uh.
2: I mean, like Phoenix is the 11 seed right now. The West is just super weird, and yeah, I think a lot is going to change between now and the end of the season. Um, I I yeah. have to assume Golden State and Phoenix are going to get better than they are right now. Like I they I assume they are going to return to normalcy on some level.
1: Well, let's let's talk about Phoenix. They had ownership. They're they're changing their ownership. They also have had multiple injuries. And Chris Paul, when he's not injured, has definitely, uh, father time has definitely caught up to him. So I yeah. don't Phoenix can do it. I I don't. I don't. Not unless they make a trade for a point guard, which doesn't seem like there's one on the market right now, unless, like, not the type of point guard that needs to be playing next to Devin Booker. Yeah. You know? Well,
2: I, I, I mean, look, we've written off Chris Paul before. It,
1: let's not write the obituary just yet. Um, I mean, yeah, he could step up for the playoffs, sure, but during the regular season he definitely has looked cooked for sure. Sure.
2: I mean like campaign's awesome. You can lean on him a bit. Um uh, so yeah, I, I don't I'm not I don't think Phoenix or Golden State are like favorites or anything, but I, I do think they will get better. I think Minnesota is trending in the right direction. They will eventually at some point in time get Cap back. And I, I think uh, they have a the chance still I'm I'm holding we'll, on to my Minnesota stock. I think it, they might figure
1: it out. I think they need a new head coach. I don't think they I don't think Chris Finch is the right guy for that group. Um, I will say, you know, clippers, they just can't stay healthy at all. i can't I can't trust the clippers. Um, look, I'll say this, Sacramento, if they make a big swing for a trade at the trade deadline. They could be a problem.
2: Yeah. I just don't know who, like, what big swing players are going to get traded. That's my, like, I just don't know who's going to get traded this year. There aren't a lot of big names that seem very reasonable to me. Um, Maybe Bradley Beal? mm, Like, yeah, sure. Like, DeRozan, I don't think makes a lot of sense for Sacramento. I don't think he would be a good fit. What about
1: Zach Levine?
2: Zach Levine would be a better fit but anybody beyond, like chicago who toronto. doesn't like the reports seem to indicate that chicago's just not going to blow it up i i don't really know the teams that are in the market for that kind of blow-up trade toronto feels like they're about
1: ready for it yeah
2: yeah i mean but like og is still pretty young i pascal's like a top 15, 20 player is he? He might be too good to trade. Like maybe they want to wait it out and try to get better in the off season. I don't like Fred VanVleet's <laughs> not gonna move the needle
1: <laughs> for Sacramento at this point. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. You know. um You know. What? I'll say this. I don't think it's gonna happen during the season, but next off season, Trey Young could be the next star on the move. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. You hear about locker room problems there. Uh, You know, him and uh, the head coach haven't been getting along. He didn't get along with Lloyd Pierce either, former Sixers assistant, who was the head coach there. You know, there's a there's a real chance um, that Trey Young and I mean, look, they have DeJounte Murray. So like if they decide to trade Trey Young, it's not like they're going in a full on rebuild. They could get valuable pieces and still compete with DeJounte at the head of the snake. Or maybe that's why they made the trade in the first place. They could they could have insurance. Um yeah
2: I'm excited for whenever maybe next offseason or next season when like when OKC is like firmly good enough to finally swing a big trade with the gazillion draft picks they have oh yeah because Shea is like a legit stud like Shea is a championship level number one player Giddy is making the leap you're gonna get Chet Holmgren back next year who I think he's going to be very good very fast as long as he's healthy. And they're getting to the point where like they're gonna need to use those picks and make something happen. And I'm very excited to see how that team plays out, because they could be very good very fast.
1: I wouldn't trade for Trey Young though if I'm them. Trey Young would ruin the Yeah, yeah I don't Trey Young he's a playmaker, but he's not a playmaker for the sake of I feel like Trey Young stat stat hunts a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, I think Trey is a very, very talented player, and a lot of teams should be willing to trade a lot to get him. But I, I do think OKC would be a bit of a weird fit. Like, you could very much justify trading Giddy and picks for Trey, and I think it would be a pretty reasonable move. But you don't, I don't know I if would OKC do that. Is the I would, best.
1: Spot. I think, you know what? I think Chicago would be an interesting spot. Uh, Lonzo Ball doesn't seem like he's going to really ever get back to where he was. Um, you could trade either Levine or uh, DeMar DeRozan for... Plus, well, they don't have any picks. That's the problem. Uh, they traded yeah, all I
2: mean, Pelicans also have a lot of picks. I wouldn't... I,
1: you know what? I wouldn't mess up what they got there. I think CJ McCollum's a good type of... Because he can play off the ball. I th- I think you can... I think I wouldn't do that trade if I'm the Pelican. Yeah,
2: you know, yeah. Orlando's New York, got a lot of guys. Miami it, and New York are always looking for big trades like that. There are a lot of potential
1: places. Miami, uh, no, not Miami. Orlando Orlando could be the team because as much as I love Markell, I think if you got Trey Young there, I think, you know, I think that could work. I don't know. Depends. I feel like Trey Young would have to kind of step back as a scorer a little bit because I think Pong, Pong yeah. and is, is he willing to do that I don't know I mean if Dallas really wants to be frisky I guess they I mean they only have one more <laughs> they can't trade right they they have the rest of their picks they just can't trade one right so
2: yeah that would definitely be a, a full circle moment um yeah I don't know I don't Uriah's gonna get mad if we keep talking about Trey Young um okay.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, let's wrap I, this I would love
2: Paul George in Philly, though. I don't, you know, the Maxi thing is a tough pill to swallow, but I, I like that idea that you threw out there. It might be worth. Uh,
1: it. Yeah, it was ask. an idea that I that I heard th- on a podcast with Zach Lowe, uh, yeah. B- Bill Simmons, and it was just like an idea that they were throwing around. They were not reporting anything.
2: I mean, and look, it's also insurance if James. Ducks for Houston in the summer. It makes sense. Anyways, let's let's wrap it up there, though, Lucas. Thanks mm. for talking Sixers with me. It's almost 1 a.m. We're going to both go straight to bed after this, I think. Um,
1: uh, Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Well,
2: maybe not you, Mr. Uh, Holiday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go straight to bed, or at least maybe not even, but I should. So we're going to wrap it up. No. Oh. <laughs> Thank you to all our listeners, as always. Y'all are the best. Please, you know, like and subscribe to the podcast if you can. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Audible, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. You can also like and subscribe on YouTube. Watch us there. Normally, this particular podcast will not be on YouTube, I don't think. But normally, we are there. And I would encourage you to follow us. You can also listen and read our written work on the internet at the thesixersense.com I would highly suggest you do that and until next time everyone go Sixers, peace out go Eagles, who will be playing next week I believe uh, but we'll talk more about that then I guess, bye everyone
1: everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day